Welcome to the 3 to 10 Project. Two white, cisgendered males who've been friends for over 25 years. Exploring race, gender, and education by talking through the intersection of our experiences with what we're reading, listening to, and thinking about. And most importantly, considering how to show up moving forward. It's a long-term commitment, three to 10 years of anti-racist culture building. I'm Mark. I'm Reed. Just a quick note on the name for this podcast. Three to 10 Project has been borrowed from Resma Menicum. You can learn more about this idea and about Resma at the link shared in the podcast description. Let's get to it. Yep, and that's Mark's footsteps. Turns out he's a bit more coherent when he is running. Okay, happy Sunday, Mark. We are together again. Yep, I'm on the road. Yeah, my dog Tortellini with me. Um, And... uh, we're just doing a few miles. First, I'm actually planning on running 22 miles uh, as I am about, I think, is it seven weeks, eight weeks away from a hopefully 100K, that's 62.14 mile ultra marathon on Black Friday right outside my front door. So I'm training differently than I ever have. I've never actually trained for an ultra this way. I've done a couple, but also always kind of on the back of a marathon training cycle. This one is specifically focused on training for the ultra. So lots of long, slow runs. There you go. And what do, do you, you find is the, is the running a, a, a good time to think and process deeply or... Like me, are you yeah, so yeah. distracted by the <laughs> pain of of physical movement that you would have no continuous thought process? Yeah, you know, I don't know if you're aware, I have these lists that I keep every week of kind of like different habits and routines, rituals that I notice myself uh, falling into over over the years. And I recognize that really for running... I have a lot of like intention and different intentions when I run. So um, as an example, today's intention is to think and talk with you. And, you know, other times I'm kind of like into music. Other times I'm really almost making the run a meditation. So it depends. Yeah, I really set an intention at the beginning and try to stick with it. I should probably do that with my runs. My intention in my run is to finish the run. And <laughs> yeah. so this, this sounds a little weak compared to what you're talking about. But yesterday, uh, I had to do an 11 mile, which is the longest I've done in a long time. So my only uh-huh. intention was to force myself to run five and a half miles in one direction so that there was mm-hmm. no way for me to cheat and do less <laughs> than 11 go. And it, it, it worked. Uh, I did do the 11 miles. 
but I'm glad that right now I'm just sitting inside and I'm talking to you. So, well, let's uh, dive into our discussion for today. So last week, or it was actually 10 days ago, we talked last and gave ourselves a little bit of homework or thinking that had come from, you know, we, we did some nice critique and criticism as it's easy and fun to do of others. And you turned that around and said, perhaps we might want to consider doing a bit of that for ourselves. And, you know, we've worked together for, in different ways for many years, uh, but at two schools specifically, and then we've had other experiences. But I think that our hope today, my hope is that we might pick apart maybe a few of our experiences at, at one uh, or both of the two schools that you started and that I worked at. I just kind of keep getting work from you, I guess. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you Institute, found your own way, I think. Yeah. Uh, Future Leaders Institute Fly, which was in Harlem, in New York, and then Thor, which was a school out in Denver. Uh, and so I, I think for today's conversation, we're going to keep it kind of focused on, as we reflect, maybe some of the things that we're, you know, if we could go back, that we might change some things that we think were problematic, maybe about how we were thinking or approaching things, or that maybe it's as simple as opportunities that we didn't rise to. I'm not sure. I have a few things I might bring up, but what's on your mind as you think back over some of your work in, in those schools? Well, I want to hear what you have. I would only add something that... Actually, it was two schools in Denver. We started. And I think that's important, especially in light of this conversation. So just to be clear, Jonna, my wife, really started the first school um, that you became the principal of. And that was in an area of Denver called Green Valley Ranch. And adjacent to that neighborhood we started a second school as a turnaround of an existing Denver Public Schools elementary school and that while SOAR at Green Valley Ranch exists to this day SOAR at Oakland which is the turnaround does not and only made it I think three years, I guess. And uh, there's, I think, a lot there. So if nothing else, I would say there was some huge hubris on my part, especially, to attempt that turnaround at the time and in the way that we did it. And I'd say maybe just leaving it at, we can drill into the specific kind of things done there but just the idea of like going into a community that's been that I am not part of that no one I you know no one I really know is part of but just seizing an opportunity to open a school simply because of my position in Denver Public Schools and the work that Jonna had done in Green Valley Ranch allowed for this thing to happen 
which, you know, like is not necessarily like there's a whole question of why are you doing this? Like, why are you allowed to do this? I think is important. And I'll just say one other thing, something that's very, um, that's hard for me to grapple with. I'm only beginning to go there. I, uh, yeah, I feel like this could open a big can of worms, but maybe just share the surface and then we'll go back into it later is when I worked at KIPP and was leaving KIPP on not such good terms and really was in retrospect treated a staff developer there, this guy, Fred Shannon, the black man, really badly in terms of like not listening to him and not taking him seriously. And there's a whole kind of story behind that big ideological differences. And he wrote me this really scathing letter as I left Kip. It's hard, hard letter. Basically like you're what's wrong with the system. The fact that you can go start a school and we were about to start fly is just a sign of how messed up everything is. It was something to that effect. And at the time I was just like, how dare you? And we did, you know, we disagree clearly on what should be happening in schools, but in retrospect, so I, I think I could have handled all of that much differently with him personally, but also he's right. Like I was like, what, 25 or 26 had no real, again, like the only reason I could do what I was doing, opening the school in Harlem, again, in a community wasn't part of, didn't know, was because of a whole bunch of privileges and positions. And yeah, so that's kind of, that's on the macro level of just like, who should have the right to even start schools and of course then run them and work at them? Um, I think you can make an argument, probably not me in those situations. I just bumped into my wife as I was swinging by home real quick and she reminded me that as we discuss these things, making sure to remember not just to think about our kind of identity as, as white people, but as men and the impact that that identity had in a lot of what happened, which I can only say is part of that story I just told about both being able to start the, the school in, in Denver and in New York, I'm sure that just, you know, showing up as a white man, highly educated, yada, yada, um, you know, smooth the path for the lot of what then happened. Anyway, there you go. So <clears throat> I think that one of the things that's insidious about that is that in the moment, as we are experiencing these things, it, it isn't natural or hasn't been natural, I think, in, in the past. Maybe we're trying to make it natural through part of these conversations. But it's not natural to think, to be introspective and to realize 
that those are key factors, right? So as you're, you know, saying, hey, let's start a school, we're just thinking, hey, we have great ideas. What, you know, how do I access the people I need to access and all this stuff? We're not saying to ourselves, oh, yeah, um, I probably have an, uh, an interesting, some interesting advantages as I do these things. And maybe that's part of this conversation is to, to help us get better at being aware of those things and therefore have a bigger context as we're making decisions. I, I don't know, but yeah, yeah, well, I think that's really important. Yeah. So that where you went, maybe I'll bring it from the macro to the micro. There's so many things I'd like to say about what you brought up there, but I think what you're describing with fly and certainly with both SOARs is true because if you look at SOAR Green Valley Ranch, you know, this, you and Jonna had been, how long had you been in Denver when, because the school opened in 2010, when did you guys move out there? Um, oh, wait. Jonna okay, had so, been, Jonna got approval to start that school, the first school, in the first year we were there. So, I mean, only to say that you weren't native, you know, Coloradans, uh, Denver people. Um, and, no. and I remember going, and so my involvement, just a bit of history, you know, I'd worked with you guys at Fly, but then when Jonna got approval and was working to design the school, she hired me to help with curriculum, basically. And, um, and so I was doing work just as you know, I was, I was teaching at the time in Maine, but I was doing work to help design curriculum. And so I got kind of involved because I was creating documents and then got more involved in talking with you guys. And that sort of evolved into Jonna saying, well, potentially Reed, you could, um, you know, sort of be a director of curriculum kind of thing. And it was, you know, so just, you know, for, it's like fortune falls in your lap. At times, and it worked very well for us because we were looking to make a change because our son was about to be born and we needed to move. Like we just needed a new home, so we were looking to move. And then there were became these opportunities to say, "Well, sure, we could move to another town in Maine, or we could move across country." And um, and then that position eventually uh, uh, evolved into the principalship, Um, and so. But but it was it wasn't even something the whole thing wasn't something that I even had actively worked to uh, pursue. And but but to get to this point of of like not knowing the community very well, so I really didn't know the community. I mean, I arrived in Denver in June of 2010, and. We were doing intensive professional development with staff um, in in early August, you know, about five or six weeks probably after I arrived. So I was not integrated in, into, you know, I couldn't even t- told you other neighborhoods of Denver. And the piece that I've been talking about is one of the things I'm unsettled by now is the degree to which we really, or I really, was not thinking about the needs or interests of the families or even the kids that we were serving. I definitely thought we had a really strong model uh, pedagogically, philosophically, and how we were approaching things. I believed in it. Um, I believed in a lot of the research about 
why certain reading or math instructional approaches work. And I honestly did not think that there was anything for the community to uh, to say about that, to have value. And if there was any community interaction, it was about letting people know why we had such great ideas. And, yeah. um, and, and, and I actually, and, and most of the four years that I was there, in terms of the instructional program, that was, and even, and even the um, sort of social emotional behavior program as a responsive classroom school, it was very much about we've got good ideas and we're going to implement and let, me, let us help people understand them. But only at the very end, when the schools were going through some changes and SOAR Oakland was, you know, transitioning, was struggling, um, and you came on as I was leaving, you came on to take over uh, Green Valley Ranch, and you actually started some, uh, you know, community, some, some like parent meetings, right, after school. We started to have some, some of those things. We hadn't even done basic things like that. I'd done coffees with the principal, you know, once a week or something. People could talk. But there was nothing deep. And I just wonder what the potential could have been for uh, maybe even a richer approach to a more um, culturally responsive um, framework if I hadn't just sort of been working from the fundamental mindset of we know how to do stuff, we just need to implement, and people will then learn and be appreciated. I, I will throw in a little anecdote. I assume you are part of this, and I'm curious to your perspective, but maybe you weren't. I was not actually physically present and part of this, but early on, wasn't there a conversation with Dominique and Antoine kind of about this issue of them pushing on why are you so kind of closed about community involvement? Do you know what I'm talking about? Uh, yes, absolutely. And so, you know, Dominique and Antoine were uh, very active parents, really great kids in the system. And, you know, both black, both were they both in academia or he was? Both academics. He yep. PhD. Right. She was an administrator who, yep. let's just say, also wound up being yeah. a dean at the Oakland School. Two, I mean, beautiful children, yep. boy and a girl, um, that went to the schools. And, uh, and yeah, I mean, so what happened with that? Yeah, Do you mind going into that? Because I think no, it's wrong. Well, I'm trying to be honest. I'm trying to remember this. The fact that I have trouble remembering that is probably a little bit emblematic of the problem. So I do distinctly, now that we're saying, I remember sitting down with them a couple of times, you know, in my office, right? Come into my office. And they were raising some of those questions about how we were doing things and input. And to me, it was almost like we were speaking different languages. I was like, yes. Mm. In principle, this, I, I agree, I understand what you're saying, but part of me was, I think, thinking, hey, we're in the early years of this, overwhelming. I mean, starting a new school is hard. It was very, I was a you know, first time principal. I certainly was overwhelmed by lots of things, had a newborn baby at home. Um, and 
I, I, to, to the extent that I even remember, I remember thinking these are good points, but this is not urgent because I don't think anything mm-hmm. fundamental is going to change. And right now where we really need to focus on doing good with what we know how to do. And it, it's mm-hmm. going to just complicate and it's going to uh, muddy the waters if mm-hmm. we're now trying to expand out and try to get input, which, by the way, I'm sure really isn't going to lead to fundamental changes. I, th- I think that's kind of how I'm but, – but the, but the truth is I can't even right now tell you the details of those conversations. I bet I could go back on my computer and find some notes. Uh, but because well, just it was that- not something that, that really – honestly, I was not very tuned into them. That's the truth. And from what I remember, and this isn't quite fair because I'm really critiquing what other people did because I was not involved directly in this process, but certainly just replicated this later in my own way. So I am as guilty or more than anyone else. I'm pretty sure Terrence uh, was involved in some of these processes about defining where the school kind of boundaries were. And I think that was interesting. Like Terrence Black man had been really involved in kind of thinking deeply about school culture. He was a consultant. Also, I think a PhD, very, you know, very integrated into our thinking about what was going to happen. I think at least Jana was working closely with him. And I feel like they kind of came up with this kind of framework of, look, this is what we're doing and we're not really interested in having conversations about it. And there's, and like believing that was the right thing. Um, do you know, do you remember any of that? Yeah, no, I, I think that was totally the case. And I, and, and there were, no, there's just, we also were doing a lot of stuff, right? Like any school. But the school was not a single-minded place in terms of, I mean, one of, some of the things, in, and in a future episode, we should discuss things that we are proud of. But, you know, th- I think the school really looked at many aspects of what can help children develop well, right, in the elementary years. And yeah. we really were doing many things. And I think there were elements of that that we had a lot of confidence. Certainly the, liter- the approach to literacy, um, reading and writing, um, and I think that Can I, though, let me interrupt for one second. I'm going to push on you for this okay. because let's get off of what we did. That was good. And let's stick with this idea. I guess what I would say is, and I'll speak for myself and then you can say whether you agree or with yourself, the balance was way out of whack while there was positive stuff the engagement, authentic engagement, real engagement, and real, and this idea of like, who should be doing this work? Just like, it was not balanced. It was off to one side. And yeah, I don't know. That's what's kind of coming up for me in this moment. Sorry. I I think that's, no, that's that's the that's totally true. There, I mean, there was no balance. There was no there was no authentic engagement. 
all of our engagement was what I would consider um, one way or um, very surface level. So there was a lot of communication or there was there were kinds of communication and there were events yep. and blah, 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 blah. But in terms of engaging people in designing and creating a learning community, it was it totally the case that um, I didn't think we wanted input. And, and now right. or even how people were experiencing or even how people were experiencing what we were doing, just like getting authentic feedback. How is this for you? Yeah, we didn't ask that, I don't think. Or I, you know, we, no, that was, uh, and, and, and I remember that coming up. I remember some, some conversations with Terrence. There's another thing I want to speak, say about Terrence in a minute, which is another yeah. piece. But um, no, I, and, that, and that's why I think, like, looking back, that's, well, I don't want to say that's the, to me, it's, it was, it was the biggest short, one of the biggest shortcomings of, of, of the way I was approaching things. I think that could have. Can I ask you a question? A lot. Yeah. I, I wonder, I'm not sure we want to go. Maybe this is another conversation, but there's this question of like, should we even been the people doing the work? I mean, maybe that's one of these fundamental questions. I think we kind of talked about this a little bit, maybe even off the record before one of the podcasts about a conversation with a black woman who was a colleague of ours 25 years ago, kind of (laughs) challenging whether white people should even be doing this type, you know, working with kids of color. And then I think this idea of school starting, starting schools or taking over schools which, by the way, we also did in New York. Like, Fly actually was involved in a turnaround there, too, taking over a building that was closing in some form. Who were we to do that? Um, is, I think, important to be thinking about as well. I'm not sure. I will just leave that for a moment because I am curious. I felt like you had some specific examples of some things you've been thinking about that I'd like to hear. So maybe we can go back. You know, this is going to be maybe a multi-part episode. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I want to just bring, I have a, I have a different, um, I have a different problem that I want to point out. Okay. Good. And, and maybe that, and we are, uh, right. There's so many ways we can go on the point of, should we have been doing it? I would say in the big picture, no. Uh, for me, no. I, I think I could have been an asset in some ways, but to be in the position I was in, working within a rather small network of people, I think collectively, we didn't have the collective uh, knowledge, ability, experience, and even perspective to do the work that, that, that was probably really needed that is really needed in, in Green Valley Ranch, right. In, in Denver. So I was in that position because of a series of gratuitous, you know, good luck connections, relationships, the fact that, you know, I mean, everything, you can trace it all back to all kinds of stuff, but um, it's not because of the meritocracy was not at work. I mean, 
mean, I'll admit that. Uh, you know, I wasn't there yeah. because I was the best person to do that. Um, and still yeah. would be, by the way. Like, there's no way I should go to Denver right now and start another school, even knowing a little bit more than I did. Yep. Um, but let's, I want to shift gears just for a moment as we get near the end, because I want to bring up another thing, and maybe we'll continue this, because you mentioned Terrence, and I think Terrence was yeah. a great asset to us, but it's still interesting. Like, here, we needed some um, guidance, some mentorship, some, you know, an outside consultant to help something. So we hired a guy from Chicago. Um, yeah. you know, you'd think that probably in Denver, there could have been some people. So, but I, but I only want to, you know, I speak well of Terrence, but I, I'll talk about a moment, right? And we were a couple years in and Terrence uh, was, we had a conversation about our basically office referral data. And yep. who's getting sent to the office? And we had our own procedures that, that you know, then certain things that we did certain things within responsive classroom framework and other things we were trying to do. But we kept data on who was it. And I remember Terrence said something like, you know, you guys think you're running this really progressive, forward thinking, um, you know, uh, a student centered school. And guess who's coming to the office all the time? It's a bunch of black boys. Yeah. And I immediately, wait a minute, Terrence, but that's who's getting in trouble. They're the ones causing the problem, like in my mind. And, you know, so so the first thought was like defensiveness. The second thought was, um, you know, well, that's just kind of the way things are. So immediately, and, and the fact is, we weren't, despite all of our thoughts, and I hadn't even looked at the data, right? We had the data. I can see it every day. I saw who was sitting, who I was talking to, and it hadn't even connected in my mind that this is just replicating what's going on in almost every school in America. And that right. sits heavy with me still. Can I add on something about that, Ben? Sure. This is complicated. Uh, so I, as, as you mentioned, I came in, as one as Oakland closed or didn't close, but as we kind of shifted away from Oakland and someone else came in to turn it around, who actually was a principal white woman who had been a police officer for a long time. Um, a whole story behind the turnaround of the turnaround. But um, in any case, I knew this data existed. I knew some of the issues, obviously. And so I had, I thought I had come up with a brilliant solution. I don't know. Looking back, I still think it has some merit in the context, but I'm sure there was a lot better things to be doing. So I don't know if you know this. I basically stopped any referrals to the office. I basically said, you can't do it. It is not a thing anymore. If there's nothing, if you cannot refer a student to the office, there's no bad data. This is not so different now that I think about it than what Trump did with the, or what he said with the uh, testing. If we're not testing, it looks like everything's better. And that's basically what I did. I said, we will not send people, kids to the office. It's not a thing. And therefore, there is no data that says black boys are being sent too much because you can't send anyone. And I did something similar 
with suspensions. Basically said, we are not suspending anyone, period. And I think in two years, we might have had one suspension that we almost were obligated by law. Maybe not even. I don't remember exactly, but we basically said we're not doing these things. And so I am not sure at all that that helped anything, but it certainly made data look better in the sense there was no data. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> I, you know, I was gone. I had, co- I had come, fled back east at that point, but I actually do remember you talking about that. And I think it, I mean, something I'd like to get into maybe next time is some of the things we tried to do around how teachers thought about their relation to kids. And it seems like what you were trying to do there a little bit was helping teacher part partially not just about sort of changing the data but changing teachers sense of um responsibility towards the students in their class which always gets broken down right as you pull more people in but at the same time the idea that every teacher can solve every problem on their own we know that's not true either so or um, that yeah there's so much there uh, uh, yeah okay keep going well, so I, I think we need to I think we need to hit pause on this conversation. Yep. And for, for me, as I'm listening, we've got the I think this issue of the, the question you're asking, you know, should we even be able to to have done some of what we've done is has really resonated with me throughout this. And that even if I got was able to get better at some of these things I'm talking about, really engaging the community, really working through, you know, how are we, how are we managing and controlling bodies, right? Which is what sort of Mm -hmm. discipline is about. Even if I was good at those things, I don't think that changes that fundamental question of, but is it still right and uh, good that, that, you know, I'm the one leading this work or, 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 you know, as one of the leaders of the work. I don't know. So I want to keep thinking about that. And I think it would be good for us to come back and continue this. I'm not sure. Yeah. Um, there, there are other things that we could impact, unpack. I'm not exactly sure what direction to go in, but I do want to pick this up again. Good. What about yeah, you? I, let's continue. Do some brainstorming and, I did have one question before you go yeah. off topic. You mentioned the commitment to talking to your neighbor. Mm. And so let's, let's cut. I, I have, I've, I've, that's been an ongoing and interesting thing. I want to, I wanted to talk about that. Um, I actually was okay. talking to him just yesterday. Uh, not, okay. not highly deeply, but, um, that commitment is is going on, and I, there's a question I, w- I haven't asked him yet, a pointed question that I'm going to. So just keep keep coming back to that, and I will okay. bring that Good. into this. Yep. I would say on my end, I've done a very poor job about this blue and red race. My initial kind of putting that out there did not attract any interest, and I really just haven't put any more effort into it. So just thinking about what I need to be doing, not necessarily with the race, uh, be, I'm gonna be kind to myself too, but um, just thinking about some things of, you know, putting myself in some discomfort and taking some steps. Mm-hmm. So 
let's make sure we are just kind of checking in on those things. I think that's important. Talk is talk and it's important to dialogue, but it's more than that too. Um, it was good to talk to you. This good to talk to you. Great. And how, how much further do you have to go now? I don't want to think about it. <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, you mentioned you're working on your tree house. You're with your parents. Tell them I said hi. And, uh, yeah, um, you got to send me an updated picture for sure. Okay. The treehouse is coming along, so I will be uh, ready to share that. By the time we talk next time, uh, I'll have exciting updates on that as well. So much to talk about. Awesome. Hey, run safe and uh, stay safe well, here. And I look forward to our next conversation. Same, same thing. Bye. All right. Bye. Thank you for listening to the 3 to 10 Project, Episode 4, Who Should Have the Right to Start Schools, recorded on September 27th, 2020. Quick note that Terrence was from Minneapolis, not Chicago, as I had said in the show. Sorry about that, Terrence. And thanks as always to Random Chiz for our theme music.